Hi, I'm JD. This is ChimeraCast, a production of the Chimera Collective. If you enjoy our podcast, please consider leaving us a review on your favorite podcatcher. We also have merch available and just launched our Patreon. For backing, you'll gain access to our Discord and the ability to vote on upcoming seasides. You can also get an RSS feed for an unabridged table-side version of the podcast, which includes all our banter, rules discussions, and session debriefs. We'll also have game readings and occasional exclusive seasides in that feed. Links to the details and our social media are in the show notes. Hi, I'm Zach. I'm playing Melio Moretti, the Bard. Hi, I'm Ryan. I'm playing Urizidi, the Spellblade. Hi, I'm Nathan. I'm playing Kimmon Belaskis, the Shaman. I'm JD. I'm your Dungeon Master for this game. This is ChimeraCast, a Dungeon World actual play podcast. Last time, the three of you, along with your companion, Navath, visited with some death monks, a death cult that dwells in a cloister right on the edge of the vulture lands, tucked into the mountains. And after some tense moments while with them, you have made it back out and decided to head deeper into the vulture lands, basically cutting straight through towards these cairns of the old Cyclopean kings that dwell at the heart of the vulture lands. In order to do that, the three of you were going to descend down the ridge that runs alongside these mountains and heading back toward the Monument of Bones that you all visited two days ago, something like that. And in order to do so, you were using Isht's crossbow with a bolt tied to a rope, essentially, in order to make a zipline down into the valley floor of the Vulture Lands. So that's where we're going to pick back up. Uruzidi, you're the one that was using the crossbow, so you're going to be the one to make the roll. I did have a question for you guys. You guys kind of know where you're going, but you don't actually know the point that you're heading to right now. However, you do have a specific location in mind, sort of, but you're not 100% sure to get here. I think I've decided. It'll be wander through the vulture lands. Since you guys don't know what point is coming up, you could get lost. You don't have a clear direction necessarily, so you may not find a point immediately, is my thought process. Does that make sense for you guys? Yeah, that works. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's fine. Cool. So, Uruzidi, go ahead and um, read wander through the vulture lands and make your roll. Yeah, wander through the vulture lands. When you head off through the vulture lands with no specific location in mind, roll plus nothing. On a 10 plus, you stumble onto a location nearby the one you left. On a 7 through 9, choose 1. You find something useful or valuable in your wanderings, but are still aimless. You find a new location, but the travel takes time. The GM advances a front. You find a new location, but the travel takes its toll. Everyone must mark a debility of their choosing. Alright, so, rolling plus nothing. That'll be a 7. 7. So, choose 1. I'm gonna choose... 
we find a new location, but the travel takes time. The GM advances a front. Cool. Get some fiction going on here. My favorite. The four of you use this crossbow rope to zip line down, like I said, which is cool. <laughs> and it would look sweet. <laughs> and you slide your way back down. And as you go, right, the air becomes hazier around you. It, this fog that settles into the vulture lance becomes thicker as you descend from the ridge. And we see the four of you zip past one after the other, heading somewhere. We'll see in a minute. But as you leave, the camera pans up. And though it is the afternoon heading in toward the evening, the dim sun that you can barely see here is beginning to descend, touching the horizon, piercing through the fog, the moon. It is like the yellow-orange of stained teeth glaring down at you. And the camera pans back down, and somewhere else in the vulture lands, underneath this moon, a straggling line of these rattling humanoids making their way through the vulture lands somewhere. A caravan of them. When the four of you touch ground again, you are hit by a scent in the air. The smell of incense and expensive spice. The four of you all realize together that you are just past this kind of river of sludge moving slowly behind you. And just up ahead are these tents made of gossamer, made of webbing or veils. Some rather large, not camping tents, but like set up circus tents almost, right? That kind of size. You're kind of on the edge here, but you can smell all of these strange sense things that you might have a vague recollection of from somewhere but it's all mixed together and it's hard to kind of keep your head from swimming in all of it what do you all do just for clarity we don't see any like people moving around or people ish things you do not does this seem like a war camp Mm, no it's not that kind of tent arrangement this wouldn't be for an army just kind of a, a, a series of large tents surrounding a central tent but not the kind of like rows or something that you would expect from a typical army. Gotcha. Yeah, that's that's I think what Urizidi was looking for. Melio begins sniffing the air. <laughs> something about this smells familiar. I can't quite put my finger on it. It's been a long time since I've smelt something quite like this. Maybe back where I come from, one of the shops peddled it or something like that. Do I recognize this smell? Uh, yeah, fuck it. Give me a spot lore. Give me a smell lore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, I'll mark experience, and uh, you can go right ahead. That's a solid six, unless someone wants to uh, direct my nose. Uh. <laughs> it's not out of the realm of possibility, but I don't, I don't have a good one. And Ryan doesn't seem to either, so on the vine you die. <laughs> you feel s- someone push you to the side, it feels like. Right, that kind of jostled movement. And you almost get a just an impression in your mind, right? Of like, that asshole. And as you're pushed, you hit your broken toes again on a couple of stones that have fallen. Some old foundation of a structure that must have been here. You kick it and catch yourself. Your toes hurt. Who pushed past him? You don't see anyone walking by. Oh, weird. Ah! So to your three companions, it just looks like you... Suddenly take a step forward, losing your balance, and hit your feet on some stones for no reason. What's happened to you? Panicking almost and leaning down to pick you up because Kimmon's on edge right now. Not doing so good. 
Damn it. Jammed my damn toe. Someone tried to push past me. There's no one here. Well, it felt like it. I think Urizidi starts to get a little bit on edge. He's got talent out. Maybe that's what I get for following my nose instead of following my eyes. And I point at the gossamer tents. Let's just go see who's living there. I say leave it alone. There could be something useful here. Or it could be someone else to shoot us in the knee. Kim and eyeing Navath for a second and looking a little ashamed and then trying to reposture. Navath doesn't say anything. What do you say, Navath? You're quiet. I've never seen this place before. I'm not sure. It doesn't seem dangerous. It, it's almost pleasant, right? If you want to avoid it, we can. Well, we need to keep moving forward, right? So through the camp seems like the quickest way. If we see anything, we'll split. Fine. Seems a wise course of action. Well, let's go then. I think I'm trying to hurry this thing along because I'm a little ashamed because I look like an idiot. <laughs> stub my, I basically stubbed my toe in front of people. Kind of sounds like you're leading the way towards the tents, is that right? Yeah, yeah. As you get closer, you can actually see through them slightly. These tents aren't there. If you reach out a hand to pluck a string that holds them up, right, you feel a slight resistance and it passes right through. I feel a slight resistance, so I push a little bit harder on the webs themselves, the gossamer webs. And probably, like, move into one frustratedly. Does any of it get disrupted at all? It seems to move with you, but almost like a breeze is moving past it. It it doesn't have a full range of motion the way that you would expect a flap to kind of move aside for you. It lifts slightly and then drops back down, but you pass through it. As you do so, you hear a clanking of a wood chime above you. I, I look up. There's what looks like a chime made of dust and air. Like it doesn't have, seem like it has a corporeal shape? Correct. There's no one inside this tent? No one, no. No thing inside <laughs> this tent? No mass of people inside? Uh, there is no mass of people or anything like that. There are shelving. It's also kind of this ethereal, you know, intangibility to all of them. And they hold various goods and items, bowls of things, jars of things, displays of what are just jars themselves, clearly. But there's no people. And if you poke around... There is some, like, rotten wood and such on the ground here that is tangible. The jars and bowls and things are intangible? Correct. Mm. I go over to this rotten wood on the floor. Does it seem to be covering anything or, you know, like a hatch or... Yeah, it's just covering floor, right? It's not covering anything up. It's broken down. Mm -hmm. Hey, Belaskis, you know anything about this? This doesn't seem like uh, the realm of the living. Yeah, what's uh, what's going on with this? Like, does this seem like it's part of the spirit world, or have I seen something like this before? Mm. Are you going for a DR or a spout lore here? I could see either way. I'm still kind of on edge. I think a DR would be more what I'm looking for here. Okay, yeah. Go ahead and uh, do a discern reality then for me. That's an eight. One question. I guess what here is not what it appears to be. Hmm. Okay. These aren't remnants of the spirit world. These aren't spirit world creatures or anything like that. This isn't a product of that land. This is something tangible that somehow has made an impression with similar magic to that that's from the spirit world, but this isn't a manifestation of something in the spirit world. Does that make sense? It does. Okay. 
was that enough of answering your question yeah after asking actually asking the question it was like no i did i did want a i did want to spout lore but here we are <laughs> that's all right this isn't my thing well it looks like something from the spirit world it's not it's closer to what we found in that monument an echo magic so then there's nothing really here for us Kimmon turns and looks at both Navoth and Urizidi. I don't know. Then let's just make our way through this and get out of here. Hmm. Something had to happen here to make this place like this. Give me a moment. And yeah, I want to use Talon's power to spout some lore, if that's cool. Yeah, absolutely. Using uh, this ability that you gained uh, in order to see back in time, right? So, yeah, go ahead and spout lore for me. Yeah. That's a 10. Woo! The first thing that hits you as you open your senses to the past here is the scent becomes so much stronger. It completely envelops you. It reminds you, and I think scent is the strongest thing tied to memory, right? And so I think it hits you very heavily of you being a child, a young boy at your father's court when someone was presenting a gift of extremely lavish spices and incense to your father. And it's exactly that smell, this mix of very fine gifts being presented to an emperor. But then you're drawn further back, kind of following this back through time. And these tents become tangible around you. They're finely decorated, spun cord of silver and gold. Lavish silk is what the tents are actually made out of. So very, very wealthy. The ruins that you've, well, one of you has kicked. Some of the scattered stones that still exist here are fully righted. And they're these kind of semi-permanent structures that these tents are fashioned around and on. In front of you are merchants. Elves, dwarves, humans, all mixed together, all dressed the same, though, wearing the same makeups, with every kind of lavish luxury that you could possibly imagine. More riches than you've maybe ever seen in your life, and you're not a poor person. Laid out. There are other humans, elves, and dwarves around, dressed differently than the ones behind these stalls, making purchases, trading coin for things. And at one point, striding past you is a cyclops towering over the others, adorned with jewels of every sort, passing their way toward the central tent, which rests upon very likely what could be a, a permanent structure with the tent draped over it. More like decorations on the stonework, on the actual building, than just a tent draped over stone. With that last pass, as the Cyclops walks beyond you, you're hit with fine perfume wafting off of his body. All of the people working behind the counters stiffen until he's out of sight. And with that, you're back in the present. This was once a lavish place of trade. Pity that so few of the riches are left. A place of relative harmony, though, it seems. Elves, humans, dwarves, all living together. Urzidi shrugs. I don't know how helpful that is, but... No horrors of the past stood out to me. Well, something must have happened here. Make it still be here. Kimmon pushing his hand through one of the shelves, grasping at one of the jars. Are you saying you want to stick around and find out? I suppose not. You said that there's a big tent 
dominating the center. Now that you've seen it in the past, there must have been a structure, yes, underneath it, and it's like decorative streamers and ribbons yeah, dangling gotcha. from it. But it, it is a large tent-like looking structure in the center, yes. If you're looking for answers, they're probably there. And Arazidi points towards that big central tent. Yeah, I'm going to make my way towards the central tent since we have to go through the center of town anyways. It's the fastest way through. So I'll make my way towards that. Yeah, Urzi's probably following him right behind. As you approach, you do see a large dominating figure sitting in the center of this tent. You can see the crumbled stones that would have made up its actual foundations when it was a, a full building. But those have long since crumbled, covered in old dirt. How large are we talking here? This figure? Yeah. It looks like they're sitting and they're still well over your height. Sick. They seem corporeal. Maybe a little more corporeal than tense, certainly. That's great. That's uh, good news for me. You know, I'm not here to reach with a pole and see what's going on. We're going to walk right in to the big tent. So as you push your way into this tent, the lingering scent that seems to have seeped into the very earth here changes from this earthy, herbaceous incense, right, to a almost sickeningly sweet but very expensive perfume. A cyclops sits on a dais, a low table placed at their knees. They are writing on some vellum scrolls and sliding the gemstones on a very fine abacus. It is adorned with much jewelry that still clatters and clings, bumping up against each other. This is uh, for the listeners at home and our edification, the one that ZD saw in his vision. Most definitely. Fantastic. As I approach, does he or she react? Its eye focuses on you. And when it does, you've a sudden urge to piss yourself. You don't, but there's a sort of primordial animal terror that kicks in when its eye settles on you. It lifts its piece of writing charcoal up and motions. Speak with my master of coin, slave. Excuse me. I am Urizidi, child of the western wind, wielder of the eagle's talon, first in line of the Shah of Shahs. I will not be dismissed to speak to some master of coin. You're like pushing past Melio, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. I think he's like trying to keep me back. As both Navoth and Kimmon like reach for you and you just brusquely push past. Yeah, like I don't even have the time to say I think he was speaking to me. <laughs> I would remind you that you have a whole bunch of coin to to I don't know, I guess I don't actually know what the what the Cyclops was asking for, but I thought they were just asking for money. Oh, I thought he was like brushing me off, like, oh I don't have time. Or brushing go us get, off. Go get paid by the by the banker. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of how I interpret it. JD, is that what you meant by that? More yes, so? much more so th- those two than Nathan's assumption. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. He probably would be a Cyclops of the night, though. That perfume's really nice. I should have written down all the titles that I've come up with for Urizidi, but I keep not doing it, and then I keep forgetting. And so I think that Urizidi just doesn't have any, and he's also making them up on the fly every time. Pretty much I've always assumed that, yes. (laughs) (laughs) He's trying each one of them out to see which one fits Uh best. Yeah, what do I like the best? Uh As you speak, it turns its eye towards you, and you are also overcome with this sort of primordial terror, the animal instinct to cower or run to get out from under its gaze. 
Though finally dressed for a slave, you will address me properly. Are you here as payment for something? Why waste such fineries on a slave otherwise? I think for a minute, Urizidi does the, like, fish mouth thing where he doesn't know what to say and his mouth is just kind of, like, uh, like opening and closing. I am no slave. If anything, we are equals. Quiet. He flinches a little bit. <laughs> he sets the abacus down and smashes his charcoal against the vellum that he was writing on. Where is my flaying blade? He reaches out a hand. The slave must be taught respect and its proper place. The many ringed and braceleted hand holds in the air for a moment. Even its nails are long and finely done with gemstones and set. And then it glowers. My blade! Ugh. Are all slaves around here insolent today? Must be that moon. Why have you strange lot come to me? Are you here to pick up the incense from Arakal? We're simply passing through. Passing through? Who is your master? I will speak with them. And then I, sho- I shove you with my elbow really quickly as you're about to talk. Yes, we are here to pick up the incense from Arakal. And I give you like a shut up. <laughs> no, I, no, Kimmin smiles. Big eye. Kimmin smiles big. Kimmin smiles like you haven't seen him smile in days. <laughs> you will have to forgive my compatriots. As you know, we serve Arakal. And sometimes we are given far too much freedom on the road when traveling. And then I prostrate myself in front of him. Good, the overslave is here to instill order. I also kind of smile (laughs) underneath my... Your underlings need whipping. I think Uh, all three of us just look at you. (laughs) Like, nobody's bowing. (laughs) Except you. I will be even more merciless. Flogging for each of them. I won't stop until their bodies give out. Good. I will have your wagons loaded with the incense. Out of character, what else do we want from this guy? What are we going to do with a fucking wagon full of incense? I don't know. We don't have a wagon. (laughs) No, that's also going to be another bridge we have to cross later. (laughs) We also don't have a ghost wagon to put the ghost incense in. Well, I also thought maybe it would be a small pot. (laughs) I didn't know how much incense was worth these days. Again, I appreciate it, but this is as far as I got was, let's try and con the ghost cyclops. (laughs) That's one thing that the dead love is conning them. Since Urizidi, like, saw the past of this place, why is he here and, like, everything else is gone? Is is there anything that, like, gives Urizidi any clues to that? Is he here? You don't know. I mean, it looks fully tangible, at least. Um, they look like they're physically here while everything else, right, is this kind of see-through. But it's unclear. You don't know. And you wouldn't know from seeing in the past. You just saw it, things when everything was fully functioning, as far as you know. Is this that same Cyclops that I saw? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, You can tell because of the perfume. It's the same scent. Oh, you should say we'll fetch the incense ourselves. Yeah, that's fair. And then, I don't know. I don't think we're getting incense out of this, but... No. There's no one to load the wagons, right? Yeah. There's no wagons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we might be out this incense. Usually lying and getting stuff works. Uh, Please, my lord. There's no need to... Tire your slaves. We can fetch the incense ourselves and load the wagons. My, and I look from side to side, my master has uh, come with uh, 
great concern and message as well, my lord. Have you noticed a strangeness in this place? You had mentioned the moon. My master, too, has been attuned to uh, differences in the landscape of this place, and he seeks your great counsel. And I, like, give another big bow. I fear that I am far too busy now to meet with your master. The height of the season is upon us. Along with the incense, please tell your master to accept a small group of 20 dwarvish slaves, freshly captured. The rebellion I put down an apology from me for not being able to meet with him at this time. He will accept your gift most graciously, and I do so on his behalf. But he pressed me to ask, is there any ill intent on the wind that you have heard? Any whispers from any of the directions, the spirits that guide them, that something is coming to befell us? From my understanding, the oracles saw only good omens this season. Then I shall bring news that is only joyous. We humbly thank you for entertaining us. With that, it picks back up the abacus and goes back to tallying figures, you assume? Yeah, probably not the person who should be doing this because I'll fail. Is there any way to see from his etchings, from his abacus, if he's in our season versus like if he's an imprint of the past? I think you're the only person who can do this. Yeah. You found a Rosetta Stone, didn't you, didn't you earlier or something like that? Yeah, he can read Cyclopean, we've established. I mostly want to see if he's in some kind of weird time loop thing. Yeah, I'm not going to make you roll for this. I think it's interesting. The, you know, whatever date that you can read doesn't have mm-hmm. any meaning to you. Like, the you know, the top of the tabulation that he's doing has something that would be kind of maybe recognizable as a date. I think, right, we had established that the posts were established in, like, the year of the reign of whoever. Yeah. It has one of those written down on it, but it doesn't mean anything to you. Okay. So, to answer your question more bluntly, yeah, it's some kind of time loop. It's not your time. Yeah. Okay. Cool. 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 I slowly nudge my compatriots and speak under my breath. I don't know what we're talking to. Some kind of after effect or image. He seems to be stuck in whatever time it was before whatever befell this place happened. I think I like bow and start like ushering them out. So I'm saying this to both you guys as I like have my hands on your back and we're exiting through the tent the same way we came. Oh, an overslave. Remember, beat your underlings. <laughs> yes, my lord, I say as I turn back and like raise a hand in some semblance of a gesture of positive affirmation. They give you a dismissive wave. I I don't know exactly what's going on there, but he definitely isn't alive and continuing to do anything. He might be stuck in some kind of loop or I don't know. I think he does live... But I think you're right that it, not in our time period. Death is wrong here. Skewed. Maybe they just have a lot of work to do. Kimmon's being kind of glib as he walks toward one of the other tents. I mean, I assume that these are all sort of made up like the first one we walked into, right? Is there... Yeah, pretty much. The spectral veil, the scattered remains of broken down and rotten shelving. Yeah, just kind of idly, idly poking around, not with any kind of direction. I assume there's no sign of a wagon full of incense, much less, you know, a wagon to put it in. No, you do not see a wagon full of incense. If you do want to spend time digging around and poking around, you'll probably find some incense. Honestly, no, I don't think that's where Kimmon's mind is. Okay. This is this is a kind of, like, curative musing. I'm not okay. digging for anything. 
I, Kimmon's relaxed a little bit, but I don't want to be here any longer than I have to. All of you actually feel an overwhelming sense of relief after backing out of that tent. While I'm poking around in one of these tents, idly lifting up the rotted floorboards, hoping to find just a jar that's intact, you know. Is that the first Cyclops you've seen, Navarth? Yes, I've... I've never felt anything like that. I've faced down celestial creatures with less imposing presences than that. And you're saying it's, it's not even really there? Looked there to me. As far as what's keeping it here, who knows? This place is twisted. You know better than we do. Not sure I do. It's like those priests said, isn't it? His soul, his body, he, as long as he's here, he can't die. Do you think this is what happens when perhaps you die more than once? I think Kimmon stiffens and looks at you. Remember, I also saw my black eights. You're not like me, though. No, I'm not at all. You become some fragment of your own past, forgetting everything else about yourself. Maybe you just become an accountant. <laughs> Maybe you just become a slave. Is there any reason that we need to go back in there? Or should we just carry on? Kimmon stops and stares at the floor for a while. No, it can't. Can't just be death. And I turn and look between Navath and Melio, fumbling around in my hair for another disc of soul glass. And I look at Isht, and I storm through the tent, and I'm going back to the main tent, is my plan here. All right. We'll follow. Don't particularly want to fight it, but I also, like, don't think it's going to have any actual answers for my questions I'm going to ask him, but we're going to ask them anyway. So, like, I, pu I push through the membrane of the tent. Do you go in from a way that's not the front? Oh, absolutely. Who are you? What are you? What happened here? They look up at you, and you're again hit with the, like, I should shut up gaze. <laughs> yeah, I bite on the inside of my cheek. I actually don't do that, because I still have that lightning totem in my mouth, so... I just swallow my fear, and I'm going to, like, reach onto their desk and just dash everything off of it. Assuming that it's actually real, which I don't know that it is, this is what I'm trying to figure out. It is not. Your hand passes through them, feeling some resistance. It's like a wind blew across his desk, essentially. The vellum, like, lifts briefly. You maybe have some ink brushes that, like, roll across the table, but you don't scatter everything like you would. Look! It's not here. We're not on the same plane. What happened here? Perhaps you are a ghost. Some spectral lingering of an insolent slave here to harass me. Smooths the vellum back out. I assume the rest of the party is close behind and may want to interact here. I was picturing them all standing on the outside of the tent, like cringe face okay. on, but also there if you well, need them. We'll be there in a minute. <laughs> Because you strode past me quickly, I'll be making my way through the tent. JD, I have a bunch of soul glass rings that doesn't change anything. Um, They could be on my other hand. This could all still be the case, and I could just dash it with my other hand. I think if you concentrate to like really activate your magic, you can maybe do something or interact with it. I'd give that to you. It wouldn't be effortless. Okay. I don't think it would interact naturally, but it can interact. Is that cool? Okay. I might do something with that, but I, I don't know. It's a really good question, and obviously, I don't know. I don't have rules written down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, that's, I figured that was the case, so we're touching base. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I just don't want, I just don't want it to end up with like JD and I yelling at each other, but nothing really going on. So if I think I'm gonna pick up the charade again. My lord, we are not spirits sent, and I, I come up right next to Kim and kind of try and brush his arm. 
Something has happened to you. We were sent here to see ourselves and try and help you. Stop it! No! Millennia have passed. There aren't Cyclops anymore. Your kind has died out. What is keeping you here? What is the magic of this place? What can fix me? I probably, uh, what can fix? I try and, like, wrap you around the shoulder. Meet our heads face to face. He doesn't know anything like that. He just doesn't remember. That's how this works. There was something catastrophic. What? You press him like this, he might get worse. He might get worse. He might remember. He might end this whole damn charade. Who cares? What does this matter? I can't leave. Well, let's have the camera angle, like, you know, right, we're face to face, and then the camera just zooms into their face while we're kind of bickering back and forth. They've uh, set their charcoal and abacus down and are rubbing their temples. Eye closed. Urzidi pushes in between you two, and I'm going to level Talon right into its eye. You know, it's like the point of Talon is, like, hovering before its one eye. I believe my companion asked you your name. Kimmin legitimately, like, looks at you for a second when you say companion. Urizidi's not mad on your behalf. He's mad because this guy called him a slave. <laughs> let's, I, not, let's not be confused. Yeah. I realize that, but you called me your companion, and yeah. Kimmin, like, looks at you for a second. You have your glaive pointed at this Cyclops' eye, and they slowly open it. And as they do, their large pupil narrows in at you. Are you going to continue to stand in defiance? Pointing your glaive at them. Urizidi? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Give me a defy danger plus charisma. <laughs> this is great. That is a seven. You're able to continue to keep your glaive up at this Cyclops, but your resolve wavers. It's just going to take you a little bit, I think, to gather yourself. So just take a minus one forward, probably, to whatever you do next. Is that all right? Yeah, no, that's cool. Yeah, the idea is that this affects you, but you're able to maintain your composure, even though it is affecting you. My name is... And they stop and think, I am too busy for this. I have a market to run. Be gone from my eye. It's tired of looking at you. JD, I want to have a, a small sidebar for the listeners at home, actually, about this. Because I feel like, as a listener, I might be like, why does this Cyclops not care so much that he's being threatened? It might be worth elaborating for the listeners at home the immense magical powers and strength of a Cyclops. I assume that's why he's unbothered by a sword being pointed directly at his eye. Is that in his time, he could vaporize a human who tried to come at him. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point, and that we should touch on that. But the Cyclopeans are semi-gods. They're demigods, essentially. So a single mortal pointing a spear at them is like, uh, okay. It's like if your cat like threatens to scratch you, you're like, all right, <laughs> this might sting briefly, but I think I'm going to win this one if I need to pry yeah. you off of me. It's not a true threat to them. But yes, that's a, that's a really good point yeah. for the listener. We have established the power of a Cyclops, especially over mortals. Cool. Because, yeah, otherwise there's kind of a funny power dynamic thing. Usually royalty would get offended at this gesture. <laughs> Go listen to the Sons of Air Holland campaign. We get into it a lot there. Cool. Just answer his questions and we will stop bothering you. I have not a single second left to spare you. Though I would hate to have to pay for you, if you continue to bother me, I will kill you. They say this as they are looking back down and writing figures again, trying to ignore you. Urzidi kind of looks back at Kimmon. 
for confirmation? Yes. I was trying to think of, like, what I'm going to say here, but Kimmon's agitation is diffuse right now. I'm not sure where to, to direct it. And, yeah, you're, you, you've are you got the spotlight. Go for it. You know, I really hate self-important bastards like you. And Urizidi, like, swings the spear around and is going to try to plant the butt of the spear into this thing's eye. The butt of Talon strikes, in air quotes, its eye and passes through. The Cyclops leans back a little bit, adjusts themselves in their dais. You cannot harm me, slave. And none of this seems strange to you. You can't remember your name. You have mind only for your work. We can't touch each other. Kimmon, again, as though he were going to slap the Cyclops in his hand, his hand I assume, passes through. Yeah. Concentrate. Something happened here. Something happened to you. Something happened to this place. Kimmon's like frothing. The Cyclops looks the four of you over, because Navath is there as well. And seems to consider for a minute or two. And then they rub at their temple again and pick up the charcoal. This talk of ill omens has unsettled my stomach. Wine! And they push forward an empty cup. A finely bejeweled chalice, really. And they go back to their work. I don't know if this is how you guys want to play this, but Kimmon's going to begin screaming about how there's no wine and there's no servants. And I think we've I think we've reached a point where this is gonna become secular. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the perfect point to end on it is you yelling if they want to drag you out of here or something. That was what I was getting at. Yeah. Yeah. I was literally like, if you guys want to drag me out of here, that was what I was gonna say. So Yeah. There's no wine. There's no servants to bring your wine. The cup's not real. You're not real. Kimmon. No. Kimmon. No. Damn it. Kimmon. They don't know. Can't you see that? Take what little grace your gods and spirits have granted you and leave this place with us. This poor demon is trapped in a cycle of its own creation. I just see the Cyclops being like, Pshaw. I don't think they're listening anymore. It's time for us to leave. I grab you by the shoulders. Kimmon spits at the cup, swings wildly at the Cyclops, trying to get its attention. I think that this one you hit with your rings, maybe, and you have such emotional intention behind it, it knocks the cup over, and it grabs it and sets it back upright. Clumsy slaves. Pour it right. That's the last thing we hear as we walk out of the tent. Kimmon gets carried out of the tent. But. Yeah. I'm doing the drunk buddy hug thing where I'm making sure that you stand up straight and go the way that I want you to go. Brian, then you take charge and I'll be, I'll, I'll kind of be the emotional core of the group. You might be busy calming down Kimmon is really, yeah. yeah. That's what I'm saying, yeah. We saw this place from Bonehenge. Yeah. So my thought was because we have to go back that way anyway. Yeah. So as we leave this main tent, Urzi looks back at Kimmon being dragged out of the tent by Emilio, and without really saying anything, reorients himself to the Vulture Lands a little bit and starts heading off kind of in the remembered direction of Bonehenge, right? Because that monk said that we have to go back there to get to the Cairns, and so that seems to make the most sense to Urizidi at this point. Yeah, it takes you a little bit of reorienting or looking around to kind of figure it out, but you know already that this place connects to the Monument of Bones, 
as established. And so I think you would be able to look around and figure out your way back. If you're looking for other connections, potentially, you could search for them as well. But if you plan to just move ahead toward Bonehenge, you can just do so. And I'll just have you roll on Tour of the Vulture Lands. Yeah, if Ryan is remembering correctly, we've kind of seen a lot of the areas around here. And yeah, it seemed like that was the plan from before. And Urizidi is certainly not going to muck up the plan at this point. Cool. You're going to start to lead the way. I assume everybody else is following. Melio, you've gotten Kimin mostly calmed down, it seems. And Navath is going to follow as well, of course. And as you go to leave, you cross another river. This one has the kind of churning, boiling look, much like the lake that you previously visited. You begin walking, and along this path, there is only a narrow footbridge across this river. So as you are traveling through the Vulture Lands, just give me uh, the roll plus decks in this case, as you will have to make your way across this bridge. Oh, that's a nine. Uh, on a 7 through 9, choose one. Uh, you find something useful or valuable on the way. You're aware of any potential active danger when you arrive. You do not encounter any ill effects while traveling. You don't draw unwanted attention while traveling. I'm going to say that we don't draw unwanted attention while traveling. You are partway back toward the Monument of Bones. You can see it now, and I think right as it comes across the horizon, Urizidi, you feel that your tongue has swollen. And as you kind of... Move it around your mouth. Mm, that's uncomfortable. You feel a couple of loose teeth. Yeah, you gonna do anything about that? Oh no. You're just gonna keep wiggling them. How loose are they? Like I just got drilled in the face and they're a little loose, but they'll be fine. No, they're definitely they're wiggling. Like wiggly. Yeah. Yeah. Are they back teeth or are they teeth in the front? I'll split it. They're in, they're like in the middle somewhere. They're not your main teeth in any way. It's like behind your canine. Okay, so not not the pretty teeth. Not the pretty teeth. Yeah, I think Urizidi is just like kind of keeps walking, wiggling them a little bit. Does this feel the same as when his nose was bleeding? Like, obviously, it's not the same because it's his mouth, not his nose. But like that sense of it being somehow that magical oppression because that nose bleeding was related to the gnaw or whatever that happened to him. Correct? No. Oh. But you're on the right track just as a player. It does feel... There's nothing that you think of that could cause this or would have caused this suddenly. Right. Right? I'm not, like, sick. No, someone say that you are scarred. Go ahead and mark that for me. <laughs> oh. It's not a big deal, um, and you'll be able to get over it, I think, pretty quickly. But if you do, you know, talky kind of things right now, it's going to bother you. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. You're very aware of it right now. Yeah, then I think Urzi is just going to press on at this point Urzidi obviously whatever bravado he puts on the rest of the time realizes like probably not getting out of here without being pretty fucked up <laughs> so yeah it's just like internally he's kind of freaking out you're putting on a brave face yeah 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 cool but the four of you all reach the monument of bones you were back in this strange adornment this crop circle type geometric arrangement of standing bones some as big as your pinky some more massive than you are tall by quite a bit what are you all doing you're back here in this place where you first kind of saw back into the history of the vulture lands the cyclopses in general two of you had seen the past quite explicitly 
One of you chose not to because of the effects it had on the others. Actually, I think I know the way to kick this scene off. As you walk through, Navath approaches one of the bones and reaching their hand out and says like, wow, these are massive. Yeah, Kimmon grabs Navath like in a bear hug. Don't touch. Don't touch. Why? They can tell you. Navath, do you know how to get to the cairns from here? What's what's wrong, Urizidi? Can't talk. Do you think the monks poisoned you or something? Urizidi just shakes his head. I'm fine. We need to keep moving. You said that you've been here before. The three of you don't know where to go from here? Was this the location? We saw, like, huge black gates, and we didn't go through at one point. Or maybe not gates, but, like, gate-like standing stones or something. It was either here or the lake that we saw that stuff. When you surveyed from Bonehenge, you got a 12. Yeah, I climbed up on the thing. That's right. It was Kimmin that did it. So you got a good view of everything, actually. I can just tell you. From Bonehenge... You could go back to the crumbling tower that you guys were at. From here, you can go to the acidic lake. You could go to the spectral market where you just came from, obviously. Or, yes, you can go through the arc. So it's an archway toward what looks like a swamp. We're going to that archway, right? Yeah. 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 And we've been to all the other places, so. I think it's this way. Zidi. Urzidi spits a little blood out and gestures for you to lead the way. Yeah, we're going. Yeah, let's do it. Excellent. The rest of this, right, is all singular bones. This arch that you must pass under in order to go into this swamp is made of many, many skeletons stacked together, forming this gateway. As you pass, give me a roll in this case plus strength as it requires a certain physicality to make your way through and into the swamp. That's an eight. Choose one of the things. Going to choose we are aware of any active danger when we arrive. Very good. So this means you do not find something useful or valuable. Uh, You do encounter ill effects and you do draw unwanted attention. We're entering a swamp. You are entering a swamp. Kimmin, you're leading the way and as you pass underneath this arch, and you all know what I'm talking about, right? A triumphal arch, that's what this is. Yeah. The skeletons built into this archway still in their armor and armaments all pressed into form, essentially. And you pass through, and very quickly, the ground softens. And as you step in the mud, you know, this liquid kind of pools out and into each footprint. And you enter this expanse, this open area, what must have been at some point a very beautiful plain or maybe a prairie. But now, of course, the only grasses that seem to grow here scratch and scrape at your skin as you walk past. And like I said, your feet start to stick more and more in the mud. And you hit a point where you break through this congealed surface. And Kim in, you sink underneath the congealed surface. And it takes some work to pull yourself back up out of it, dripping with this black-red mud that sticks to you. Up ahead, though, as you're trying to keep your eye on the horizon, make sure that you're aware of anything going on. Up ahead a little ways... You see another structure. It's not like the archway. It's more of a mound with a kind of figure standing at the top of it. But around that mound are skeletal horses pulling chariots. Wait, like around the base of the mound, there are skeletal horses pulling chariots? Are they manned chariots? 
They are unmanned. They're skeletons chariots crisscrossing kind of this plane and what must be like a, a a higher a slightly higher ridge you can't like it's not a hill or anything like that but obviously it's not in the sunken mud otherwise these chariots wouldn't wheel along properly yeah sorry to, sorry to be a buzzkill really quickly there are actually chariots circling a mound that are driven or undriven they have skeleton they have skeleton lords whipping their skeleton horses correct with bone whips probably yeah that's great I'm going to go ahead and assume there are no trees in the area. Nope. Yeah. What? It's a swamp. Are you kidding me? Not that kind of swamp. Trees grow in swamps, but... It also wasn't a swamp. It's a swamp now. How far away are they? They are more more than 60 Arbitrary feet away. Arbitrary distance away. They're not, like, coming at you. <laughs> yeah. Urzidi turns to Navath. I need you to slap me. <laughs> what? I need you... To hit me. Uh, oh, okay, all right. And she throws a very, like, half-hearted punch. Urizidi just narrows his eyes at her, then turns to Emilio. I need you to hit me. What? And Navath, like, kind of raises their hands in exasperation. I'm sorry, what? I need you to hit me. Sorry, I, I can't hear you. What did you say? Hit me. What? He turns to Kimmon. Kimmon just punches him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> this is the best trope of this game. Uh, I just wanted to get you in. I, I was hoping you would just flare up. But no, the fact no, because like, Kimmon's like sitting and watching and he's already on edge and you and like just like putting his fingers through his braids and like nope. already about to lose it. You just turn to him and he just, <laughs> I'm just going to punch you. Like, hell yeah. Urizidi's head kind of rolls back, blood coming out of his nose. And yeah, I'm going to try to use my sword magic. I'm not going to make you take any damage for that, obviously, but your tooth falls out in your mouth. Oh, I spit my tooth out and it plunks into the swamp water. Yeah. Yeah. I think we get a really cool camera angle of your head like cocking back as you fall into the swamp, but hopefully if you succeed on this, you like pass through it as your head and back shoulders like hit the back of the swamp, which is kind of a sweet, like weird scene change. You gonna take us with him. No. Oh, yeah. I was going to turn invisible oh, and try yeah. to sneak up on them, but I guess I can bamf to them. Oh, I thought you were, I thought you were bamfing. <laughs> Never mind then. Ignore all that. Go ahead and roll sword magic. Let's just, let's do your thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a 10. So I get three hold. I'm going to turn invisible, and I'm going to try to sneak up on where these guys are riding around. Yeah, you can turn invisible, and so I, I'm not going to have you roll for the sneak or anything. That's You're invisible. Yeah, okay. You can make it up there. You definitely get to more solid footing where these chariots have ridden the ground. They've compacted it so that they're able to move quite freely around this area. But you're on stable footing is my point. I'm going to take the party because I want to know this beat of what they're doing because you just went invisible, but it's going to take a while for you to sneak up there. Okay. The three of you, your friend is invisible. Are you just going to wait and stand there and let him do his thing or are you approaching? What are you? No, no, no. no. Uh, he has this like mental block. He has to be in combat. As we're like wading through swords above our heads as we're, you know, waist deep in the swamp. It's not quite that bad. You can usually stay afoot. It's just sometimes you like break through that congealed surface. Gotcha. Then you might have to drag yourself to a little patch of higher ground to continue on your way. But yes, yeah, so we're just wading through the swamp. I I wasn't even going to ask. 
Naboth pulls their black horn bow out, and as they clasp around where the string would be, you see a, a black string and a black arrow materialize around her fingers. Yeah, pretty cool. It is really cool. You should ask her where she got it. Hey, where'd you get that bow? Probably from the guys that we killed. That doesn't mean that only answers part of the question. Ask where, ask where she got it. Not now. We're in the middle of a swamp. What? Wait, do we got nothing? You have anything else to do while we're walking toward the mound? No, not really. Yeah, ask her. Ask her where she got it. <laughs> nah, I'm not doing that. All right, fine. All right. So the three of you are just following, like kind of approaching this high ground area while your friend sneaks ahead invisibly. Is that correct? It seems like it. I thought we were getting teleported, but we're not. So I don't understand. He's just going to sneak past them. What are we going to do? Who knows? I don't even know if he can take them out. What is he going to do? Stab a chariot? Put a stick in the wheels. Maybe. That is fucking asinine. I'm not doing it. I'm carrying my axes above my head. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think we're, we've got, like, you know, bodybuilder arms walking through the swamp, right? You realize we're going to have to deal with this. We don't know what he's doing. Fine. Let's find out. And, yeah, we make our way through the swamp. Uruzidi, you've made it to the, the higher compacted ground that these chariots are riding on. As they circle around, there are three of them. What do you do? You're still invisible. Does your invisibility last until you do something else? Is that basically correct? That's how we've basically been playing it. It just okay. says you can turn someone or something temporarily invisible. Yeah, so I think that fits then. As soon as you have to like concentrate on something else, it yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's how I think the rogue works as well. It's like until something you strike like or something like that. It's like you make a move and then you're obscene. It makes sense to me. Otherwise, it's not that fun. Yeah, if it's just an arbitrary oop, you're not invisible now. Right. Uh, so first question, are we on a vast plane or are we forced to move past this mound? It is a vast plane. You could wait around okay. and make your way through these swampier lands around it, certainly. This is quite a large section of the map. Okay. Can I get a sense of what the mound is? Like, is it a man-made mound or... It's definitely man-made. That's very clear. Do I want to have you spout lore on this? You know what? I do want you to spout lore. And I'll give you my reasoning for it, depending on your result, I think. That is a 13. Holy shit. The mound is a tropeon. So what it is, is it is a basically a trophy that celebrates the victory that happened here. So this is the arms and armaments of whatever was defeated here. This is a battlefield that you're on. Realizing the, I think effects of this place and the way that it works you piece together that the reason that the surface of the swamp congeals is because it's blood that has drained into the land here from whatever this horrific very large battle would have been it's obviously what the archway also celebrates but this is a specifically a a celebration or an offering to the god of war as they see it by leaving behind some of the best pieces of gear what this means is, for as far as like useful goes, is there's probably some sweet stuff in there. That's sick. Oh, I was going to ask you, and this is the reason I was interested in about it. You've seen Tropeons before. Where did you like attend with your father to the battlefield after a victory that you've seen these before? Yeah, so when Urizidi was probably in his mid-teens, like 14 or 15, the armies of Ashkashar beat a, uh, what seemed to be at the time, an invasionary force from Ranger Kam on their eastern border. 
And so a large trepan was erected there, and Urizidi was brought along as a potential heir to be there for the un- unveiling of this trepan. You know, like the dedication. Since I think Urizidi has found out more, that really wasn't an invasion force. It was like a refugee group. So Urizidi, now that he figured out what this mound is, he's going to hightail it back to the others. Sure. You make your way back. Do you just, like, reappear in front of them? Yep. Ha! That's Navath. That mound is probably full of treasure. Why do you say that? Slosh, slosh, slosh. It's a victory monument to the god of war. Wasn't there something on top of the mound? There was. I can give you more detail on that just because I didn't really describe it. The mound is made up of, like, fine arms and armaments and treasures that would have been looted from the battlefield. Uh, The top is basically an effigy, like a scarecrow-type humanoid figure made of fine armor and weapons. And what about the chariots? We can take care of some chariots. You seem pretty confident, considering they're on horseback and have the higher ground. They don't have the high ground. They're on a mound. We're in a swamp. They're around the mound. To, to fully describe it, it's slightly elevated in that it is like compacted and not sunken into the swamp, but it is like a, a semicircular section of the plane that is solidified. Then the mound is in the center of the chariot. So they're going around the mound. Does that make sense? They're still on solid ground above the swamp we're in. Yeah, I just wanted to clarify. No, no, no. It's, it's good. I still think I'm right, though. <laughs> hmm. I've seen visions of the future, and I make it out of this. <laughs> I think Urizidi says that and puts a reassuring hand on your shoulder. No, Kimmon stops short because we were, like, walking together, and you reach out to put a hand on his shoulder, and he just stops and stares at you. So, you like, your arm comes up a little bit short, right? What? A vision of the future. Kind of. Kind of. Melio. Nivoth. How many, how many chariots are there? Th- there's three, three, right? Attacking three chariots from a swamp. Shoot their horses. Problem solved. Shoot their undead horses is your plan. Is that what you just said? Shoot their undead horses? Sorry, I guess I'm adding the part undead. Urizidi shrugs. Fine, I'll take care of the horses. I think the treasure is trivial at this point. But they might have something for you. I don't know, Kimmon. Are they some residual image like that cyclops back there, or can you actually use the energy that they're providing? I don't think the skeletons have souls, but they seem to be of this realm. Like, gesturing to Navath, like the Minotaur, the armaments could be useful, but we need a plan. And under normal circumstances, yes, we could shoot the horses, but we don't know what arrows will do to skeletal horses. Are the plains grasslands? They were. So it's mostly dead grass. It's mostly dead grass. I did say that there's some grass still growing, but it is... Sparse? No, it's not sparse, but it is uh, painful to touch. Oh, gotcha. We could burn them. I'm not sure a fire would catch here. Nor would it affect skeletons. What? Bones burn. We burn bodies all the time. I still say we just shoot them. Navath looks at Uruzidi and says, Well, there's only one way to find out, and turns, draws their blackhorn bow back, and looses an arrow at the chariots. 
Would you say that they are ladies charioting the chariots around the yeah, outside? Yeah, wow. Are they manned? You sexist trash. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to gatekeep chariot riding. Forsooth, would not uh, a feminine inclination be twice bound round me outside? You can tell that they are manned by women because the skeletons have tits for some reason. Because <laughs> big old skeleton calcium deposits in the chesticles. Yep, that's that's th- that's anatomy. That's uh, anatomy I, I, one. Yeah, so check out my skeleton warriors action figures. <laughs> you'll see you'll see some good bone titties. Skimpily clad. Yep. Skimpily clad bone titties. Anyway, yes, the chariots have skeletons. Okay. <laughs> In the chariots. <laughs> Wonder bread, Wonder Woman. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy that we've basically walked into a Bosch painting of hell. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am as great of an artist as Bosch, is my point. Uh, what he did I, I had that back. conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I do with games. I do. I, mean, yeah. I think you're a close number two. So yeah. it's Bosch, and then, then JD, Jim, then James, <laughs> Gene, then everybody else. Everyone and then else. Other everybody else is like Picasso. Of hell. But then it's Bosch, me, everyone else. No, I just, I just enjoy it. And yeah, I, Bosch, you, Dante. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that Dante guy. He didn't get it with, uh, with you know, Satan's <laughs> ass. Kind of swung and missed at it. If the afterlife was a thing, I would try to find those dudes at the bar. Just be like, you two, we're hanging out. <laughs> oh yeah, Dante, You're my kind of guys, my kind of people. <laughs> Bosch and Dante be like, yeah, dude. You ever heard of a game called Dungeons and Dragons? <laughs> They're like, yes, and we've also heard of ketamine, so let's go go do it all, dude. (laughs) This is heaven, remember? My kind of people. I will reiterate. I'm going to argue that maybe the dude who goes aliens is like, triptychs. (laughs) And you're just like, you're in, you You son of a bitch. Yeah, you're in. You're in. (laughs) You're totally in. He's like, I'm here for the fucking nine-year orgy. (laughs) Yes, sir. Three in heaven. Three in purgatory and three in hell. <laughs> yep, I've read Dante's Inferno. That's how that goes. <laughs> that was it. I was the whole thing, right? It was just an orgy for three years, and then and then Pergasio per- and listen, we all were trees once, <laughs> and people stepped on us. <laughs> Again, I think you're reading the wrong parts of this. <laughs> listen, it was the big vampire lady. She stepped <laughs> on the trees. It was growing, right? Is that <laughs> wait? wait. <laughs> no. Vampires are sins. Yes. Again. <laughs> anyway, you're invisible and you're, in, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're in, got bone You're invisible. We're in Bosch Town. Let's go. <laughs> we could always just. Um, I, what do we leave off on? We're going to shoot the bone horses? I think Was there's that? a couple good bits you could use in there as the ending. I think one of us should probably say a good ending bit to make Enter sure the bones. That would be nice. Thank you. I, 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 I'm pretty bad at, at, a, at an ending bit. I'm great at them. Um, so what did you guys just say that wasn't us doing a bit? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. They were chastising you, Uruzidi, for saying that you were just going to shoot it and maybe you could burn the horses or whatever. Then we started talking about chariot materials. So, you know what? The DM's just going to wrap this up. Hang on. No, wait. I've got it. Oh, all right. Brian, say what you're going to do again. Just say, like, I will shoot, you know, whatever. Blah, blah, blah. I still say we just shoot them. So I guess we're going to have to save your skin. Because they're all made of bones. God damn it. No, 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 that's not it. That's not it. God damn it. <laughs>
Ehi, 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 ehi